Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? That's one small step for man. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Brad in L.A. And Spearsy. And today we talk to Mark Goodman and Alan Hunter on the 40th anniversary of MTV. Wait, wasn't the 40th anniversary a couple of years ago? Yes, yes. It's a time machine, remember? It'll all make sense in a minute, my friend. I'll give you a quick lesson. Introduction to the big picture. Twelve credits. That's it? One course in the big picture. Twelve credits. It's very big. Twelve credits probably isn't enough. It's so big. This episode of Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by... I never do this! The 80s Cruise. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. Join your Stuck in the 80s hosts along with MTV VJs Mark Goodman and Alan Hunter. Hello. Hello. And downtown Julie Brown in spring 2024 for a week-long trip aboard the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas. (gasps) Huge breath. Performers include 38 Special, Air Supply, The English Beat, Soft Cell, Debbie Gibson, Sebastian Bach, Stephen Piercy of Rat, Ray Parker Jr., Sheena Easton, Wang Chung, Midnight Star, Animotion, Real Life, Escape Club, Winter Rome, Tommy Two-Tone, and more. Yes, as you probably know, the cruise is actually officially sold out, but you can still join the waitlist and pray. Go to www.the80scruise.com for more information. Hey, by the way, if you do book, use the promo code STUCK. Get you $20,000 of cabin credit. Well, probably more like... <laughs> I think it might actually be uh, $200 of cabin credit. E- $200 of cabin credit or a free crab feast in the backyard of Steve's house. Yes, that sounds you find fun. it. <laughs> anyway, uh, www.the80scruise.com. That's your friend. Okay, gang. Let me explain about this week's interview. We wanted to mark the 40th anniversary of MTV for the 2021 sailing of the 80s cruise, but you might remember not much happened in 2021 because of COVID. It was postponed. But thankfully, 2022 sailing happened just in time before MTV turned 41. So we still were able to sneak one under the wire and interview Mark and Alan. Nina didn't sail that year. We had a good time talking to these guys. We had a big intro showing the video of the launch of MTV and... We had it all set up. Steve and I had sweated the questions for six or eight months, had our little cards ready to go. We talked. I thought we had talked to someone backstage about recording the show to use it as a podcast. But then after the interview, when I went back to ask them for it, they looked at me like I had said, hey, do you think if you sprinkle some of that powder on my shoulder blades, that arm will sprout out? (laughs) So, you know, we thought it was lost to the sands of time. And then, and then, gentle listeners, a miracle happened. Somehow we were talking about this with Chuck, and he's like, you know, I got a box full of micro SD cards around here somewhere. I'm pretty sure I have that interview. Really? And sure enough, he pulled it out, and I'm like, well, send it to me. And I'm thinking, this, you know, what's it going to be like? What's the audio quality going to be like? Did he record it on his phone? Was it, you know, like, do you have a sock 
around a tape recorder or something. I don't know what, what the equipment was. But then I started thinking about it, and I vaguely remember him coming up and putting a piece of gear on the stage in the middle of our interview. Audio's pretty good. As it turns out, we were reasonably polite to each other, didn't talk over each other too much. And uh, this is most of the interview. I think he missed a little bit at the very top yeah. when Steve said nice things about Mark and Alan. But just imagine <laughs> that part. Uh, Chuck Coverley's an American hero, I think, is what, what you're trying to get at. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, well, sit back and enjoy this conversation from 2022 with our heroes, Mark Goodman and Alan Hunter. Circa 1980, you've got a very successful career in radio. Very, I mean, compared to your competitors, you you are literally working for one of the best stations. You've got one of the best jobs. You're asked to take this leap of faith, essentially. And I think at one point, didn't, weren't you offered sort of another video channel job? The, the way that I found out about MTV was because a friend of mine who was in radio in Philadelphia, where I'm from and where I had worked before moving to New York, knew a guy who worked in television production in Philadelphia on a UHF station. Remember UHF? Um, and... That person called me and said, hey, you know, that guy Richard Bensavengo, who was working at such and such, I was supposed to work with Richard on a UHF station for my Philadelphia radio station uh, to host on Friday nights an hour of video music that my station, WMMR, would simulcast and I would host on the channel. I became music director at the radio station, so I decided that I didn't want to get into that. But this guy remembered that. So he called and said, hey, Benson Van Gogh is working with this, you know, Warner Amex. They're doing some sort of video thing. Maybe you want to check it out. And I was, I was working at PLJ, which was the number one rock station in New York. Woo, PLJ! <laughs> um, and yeah, for, you know, for a guy in radio, that's it. I'm, I'm at the number one station in the number one market. I was good. I was on the trajectory that I had planned. I was going to do that. I was going to be music director, program director, consulting. That was my path. And then fucking MTV came. <laughs> <laughs> Messed it Some all. Some other guy who, who beat you to the punch with the VJ thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know. But I, the, I, I was always at PLJ, which was a full-on, you know, corporate rock station you know we i and for, i love led zeppelin i love meatloaf I, all great but i wanted to i at the time was saying i want to go where the next underground is that's what i was looking for so this thing came along and i just thought well it seems like a cool idea it'll probably be around i mean I'm sure it makes sense no idea that it could be wound up like what it wound up as how long does it take for you to sort of feel like, okay, I, I made the right jump? Well, I, I felt right away. That today. <laughs> I felt right away. No, I felt right away. I was really happy. I mean, I, I loved working in radio, and radio was all I knew. So the idea of going to television, and look at that first break that I did, and look at the first year of MTV. I was like, like look, everybody thought I was high. <laughs> Because I'm not used to looking in a camera, you know, and like usually like on the radio, you relate to a microphone, but I, I can look like Stevie Wonder, you know, I can be all over the place. 
on camera, you look weird. So I had to learn that stuff. And it took me a little while to start to feel comfortable. But musically, I was thrilled to be at this place because the music, the videos that we were playing were not being played so much on regular radio. And I got to do things like interviews. And you know, there was all these things that were coming up. We were going to do, um, what was it called? Saturday Night Live Across America or something like that. We were doing. Uh, a, a live concert from a different venue each weekend from anywhere across the country. So that stuff was happening. They were sending us out to MC those. It was really exciting. So I was happy pretty early on when things started to really kick in, which was relatively soon, you know, like Tulsa. the first year when we got yeah. into the major Well, once we got into Manhattan, which was a year after we launched, that was something else, and things really started to pick up. But um, the... The people who had cable were all sort of secondary and tertiary markets. And they started sending us out because that we had to go and schmooze the cable operators to pick up this new thing, MTV. And we had to, we'd go out to dinner with them and we'd hang out and we'd this and that. And we started to see each of us in our own. I was in Cheyenne um, and I was in a record store appearance and was supposed to schmooze cable ops. I came around the corner in, the, in the, the car that was taking me to the event, and there was like a thousand people out in the street, and I asked the driver, what, what's going on? Who's, who's here? And he goes, you Alan are Hunter. <laughs> Alan Hunter. The first VJ guy, you know. The first VJ. Yeah, he's here. Who's that guy with the big uh, welcome back Cotter hair? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I never heard that comment, ever. That, is, that was your appeal from the get-go, this aw shucks thing about your first time on the air. You were brilliant. You were right out of the box, good, knew what you were doing, and your hair was magnificent. What so. was the hair? Yeah, no, I'm telling you. I admire you. Uh, no, come on, the hair. Yeah, is the hair. Is it my turn now? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a meatloaf song there, Mark. <laughs> my story... I've got to do my best to get the words in here. I know, Al, you're going to fucking take over. Yeah. God bless Nina's not here, so we don't have her to pick on. She's kind of the, the in-between cartilage between you and I. My story could not be more different. My, mine was right place, right time. I hadn't been at it too long. I went to New York to go to drama school. wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be on Broadway. I was fresh out of college and moved to New York. And um, uh, again, this is time you raised the hand for the heard that. Thank you. But um, I was doing uh, bit parts. I've heard yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you heard that. Why don't I just, I'll say a sentence, and you say, that's good, go with yeah. that, or heard it. Mostly it's heard it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that every week he calls me up, Al, I've got one more story to tell you that I don't think you've heard. He does not. Um, so I, I was doing uh, things like off-off-Broadway, off-off-off-off-off-Broadway. Primarily, I was bartending at the Magic Pan. I was a bartender and a waiter and... Whatever you had to do as a struggling actor. I'd been there less than a year. I did a David Bowie video, fashion. Let's go. Heard it, saw with a, it. With a tight shot. He, yep. he gets a close-up. Oh, yeah, many close-ups. Striped shirts, suspenders. That's where all of that was birthed. Fake nose. The fake nose. I got to the fake nose. Got to. Uh, it's kind of a trivia thing. Point me out. It's like, where's Waldo? Alan in the David Bowie video. But I got to meet David Bowie and got paid 50 bucks a day. But two months later, I bump into the guy who created MTV and started a Bob Pittman, a fellow Mississippian. We're at a picnic in the park, and he says, nice to meet you. We had some familial connections. 
and he says, I'm doing a cable show, to which my first thing, cable back in the day, was local cable access, porno shows, crank call shows. Cable had no real credibility in the business. I said, oh. hey, but there was a guy in New York, uh, a guy named Al. Ugly George? Well, Ugly George, too, was a guy who literally walked around Manhattan, I'm not exaggerating, in like this tinfoil suit, yeah. like a space suit, yeah. with a, at the time, a video porta pack on his back. And he would talk women into getting undressed in little, like, apartment yeah. vestibules, yeah. like where you would buzz in. He would, yeah. and he would shoot, that was his yeah. show. That was Cable. Channel there was 10. Robin yeah. Bird. Yeah, porn, ex-porn star. And, and this guy, Al Goldberg, I think his name yeah. was, who did a yeah. naked talk show. <laughs> They're naked. They're talking about politics. Oh, my God. So that's what Cable yeah. was. People in middle America did not know what they were missing. And... <laughs> That's how the big city of New York got its reputation. So he said he's working in cable, putting together this music show channel thing. And, and I said, oh, that's funny. I just did a David Bowie video. So I know what videos are. They're only on Midnight Special, which is where I saw it. But I don't, good luck with your music channel, sir. I'm bartending. I'm set. <laughs> you, know, you and your little cable show. I'm bartending. One day I'm going to be Tom Cruise in a movie. But uh, I got the call two days later. Executive producer says, Bob bumped into you. He thinks maybe you should come down and audition for this thing. I said, it's what again? What is this thing? It's the music channel. So I came down. Uh, I'm, this is now five weeks before MTV went on the air, maybe six weeks. I came on very uh, at the end of it. I auditioned that day, terrible audition. The set's being built. People are milling around. The cameras are being moved. They were in home stretch to getting this thing on the air August the 1st. And they needed the fifth, fourth and fifth final VJ. Martha was the fourth to be hired right before me, around the same time. So I did an audition and came home and said, I'll never get that job. I hope I, <laughs> hope I get the off-off-Broadway uh, Midsummer Night's Dream show, or I'll go back to my bartending. Got another call, went back, another bad audition. Two days later, another call, third audition, terrible. I think it was worse than the first three. And I just kept walking out going, why are they bothering with me? Behind the scenes... We've all wondered that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I throw it to him every time. We're a team. We're on the road. Thanks we'll, for the setup. We'll be here all night long. 11 o'clock shows. Mark and I, back and forth. So look, the bottom line is they called me and said, you're hired. Uh, come on into the office. And I came in, sat down and said, what is it again? <laughs> and they said, here's the minuscule paycheck you're going to get. Here's $500 cash to go and get yourself a wardrobe because this thing blasts off in three weeks. And out of nowhere, I'm nobody with, a, you know, I'm on my career path start. Mark is the, the he's the, the dude. J.J. Jackson was kind of the, the one who had the most street creds among us. So I joined Mark and J.J. and Nina, who was, you know, kind of in that world of rock uh, chit-chat. And Martha Quinn was the girl next door. And I was hired to be kind of the fifth part of the demographic. You know, we each fit our little bill. And I was the boy next door and five disparate people who had really very little in common came together and, uh, and, and became the first to write the handbook for the VJ thing. So in a nutshell, that's why I found it exciting. And now, applause. <laughs> I've always been curious about the roles. There's the, the boy next door, there's the wise JJ, there's the, the cooler older brother. Was that something that MTV kind of explained to you? And did they, as time went on, did they? Hell no. But did they ask you to stay in your lane, though, as time went on? When those 
roles became so obvious to, to everyone here. Did they sort of say, look, you know, you have to still be it was cool or older that, brother? The, the, the nature of the casting of MTV was never discussed with us, ever. Um, I will say, and I'm not sure, I think we included this in the book, I'm trying to remember. Um, Meg Griffin, who was a New York DJ, legendary New York DJ, had been hired. Um, she was going to be Martha. She was the girl next door, you know, sort of real, sort of all-American-looking girl, and a, a just an incredible wealth of musical knowledge. She uh, told me she was walking by Bob Pittman's office before she actually signed, and she heard him on the phone saying, yeah, yeah, so, you know, I got my Jewish guy, I got my all-American kid, and, you know, I got the benign black guy, and we're ready to... And Meg was like, fuck this, you know, I'm not doing this, this is obnoxious, you know. It's, um, so she bailed, and that allowed Martha to get her job. Um, having said that, I mean, I don't, I, I think that they were just flying as blind as we all were. Let's, let's put five people on who at least one of them will appeal to a segment of the audience, you know, and be you know, accepted by a segment of the audience. I mean, I think it was with the best possible intent that they yeah. did that. Well, I think their casting had little purpose because they weren't casting a movie. There was no role. There was no script. It was, we got to put this thing together. So, yes, they tried to kind of cover all the bases as they understood it at the time. They went for radio DJs, you know, day one when they started a year earlier. They went for people in radio. Well, they went for musicians music. first. Yeah, and then, Kevin, like, Cronin. Kevin Cronin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, hey, how about you do a show for us, you know, every day? Yeah. And it was just like, what but, are you kidding they me? Were, but, a, I got a tour. They were know? just throwing a hook in the water and they hoping no to idea. hook anybody. No idea. So, again, I, it came down to let's get actors. Let's get some guy that the, the head honcho bumps in, into in a, in a park, in Central Park, and let's just hope he's not a perv, you know? And maybe he'll work out. Well, they had the people that we... I mean, in terms of staying in a particular lane, no. They, what they asked all of us to do um, was next to nothing specifically. Was they, first, they were writing all of our copy for the news. We did news twice an hour. They were writing everything out and we were just sort of reading it. Then they realized that we all looked too stiff. So they, they took that away and we all did like our little notes, you know, bullet points so that we would just sort of do it that way. And They, they were just trying all different ways to see how, what, like, what a VJ does. We didn't really know. I, I mean, we were also, we were struck once we came on in Manhattan. I remember that we were struck with the idea that once we could actually see it, that our, our breaks, we would be coming out of these videos with slow motion and stuff flying and all this incredible colors and animation, and then it would be like, screeching halt, VJ segment. <laughs> and now the news. Concert right. information. It was awful. From Talking Head. Yeah. Yeah, so we got to watch it. We got, again, this is a, we didn't know how it would look when it was put together, and we still didn't know because we lived in Manhattan, and, and we weren't in Ohio where they were watching it 24-7 now. Uh, so the two different tacts that Mark and I had, he relied on his skills as a music-knowledgeable person and could talk more easily, extemporaneously, than I could about the music business, as much of a lover as I was of the music. 
So we both had to kind of find our paths. Mark was the, the dude right out of the block, and me, I struggled for months and months to try to figure out who my character was. If I didn't have a script and I couldn't talk with a slight English Shakespearean accent, <laughs> then I couldn't do my gig. But it caught on to me for particularly what Mark said, which was uh, this craziness that we are the transitions for. We were traffic cops for the chaos of, the beautiful chaos of MTV. And I wanted to sort of be a different kind of glue between those things. So I started using props on the set and oh hitting God. things around and oh. doing cartwheels into oh, the, the, the camera. Because again, they MTV to their credit, the entire time, it was about change, it was about different, it was an, about not being like anything people had seen before. We weren't news people, we weren't radio jocks. This was a VJ, you can make it up and be whatever you want it to be. So I intended to experiment, to experiment with that. And Mark sits on the side of the stage seeing me do cartwheels going, well, that's bullshit and a definite confirmation that why do they hire this weenie head? Well, the, you know? there was just the, the one that, and this is in the book, yeah. the one thing that I remember is I, it, we recorded our shows in sequence uh, as they would air, which is bizarre, but that's the way that we did it. And so I, I was coming on after Alan, and I'm, so I'm standing off at the side of the stage getting ready for him to wrap his show and for me to go on and record mine, and he's doing some bullshit with a fucking tennis racket and, like, finger puppets. I'm not exaggerating. Like, I don't, know, I don't even remember what it was, but I was just like, who is this dweeb? And I came on, and I was like, Okay, Alan's finger puppets. And I whapped them off the stage with the tennis racket. So I, aggressive. So I was, aggressive. I was, I, yeah, we didn't, we didn't get along at first. <laughs> we yeah. didn't get along at first. But then Mark. I came to, honestly, to, to love... Alan's lane, talking about lanes, Alan's lane was buffoonery, was physical comedy, was you being a goof. That's what you love to do. You, in, yes. I remember one Halloween, you got all in makeup with a hat, <laughs> like the smushy hat and everything. And yes, yes. yes. I, well, you, you called me one time a living cartoon. <laughs> I was in the dressing room one time doing Pee Wee Herman. And Mark goes, you're a living cartoon, Al, right here in front of me. Well, I felt you the, became the spirit of physicality. He was our the, the five of us. He became our comic relief. You know, we would have to do things like photo shoots or whatever it was, things that were you know a little sort of monotonous. And Alan would have us laughing, laughing, laughing. And we would record in the beginning. Um, we were on on the air twenty four seven. Right, the studio was only open five days a week. So we had to double up a couple of days a week to cover for the weekend. And we'd be recording at like 11 and 12 o'clock at night after having been there at 8 in the morning. So we were, everybody, the camera people, everyone was fried. Enter Alan. <laughs> waka, waka, waka. I was the Jim Carrey. My job. See how it works? No, the 20 minutes went by. I know, that was, that was magical. It was Nobody magical, died. wasn't it? Nobody died, nobody raised their hands as much as... Can't see. I heard that one about the finger puppets. So, MTV sat atop the music television business. There wasn't anybody else there, really. Why do you think there weren't any national competitors to that? I mean, there was Night Tracks, which I was very familiar with because we didn't have MTV in Weatherford, Oklahoma. But uh, there really weren't any national cable competitors there was an attempt 
Yes, mm -hmm. it was a very short-lived, though, right? That's right. We squashed those buggers. Yeah. Did you send Alan over in his squishy hat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Made jokes and diverted their attention. Well, it was, it was Ted Turner. Right. The, the guy who had launched CNN saw what we were doing, and we launched right around within months of each other, as I recall. Yeah. And, and he saw what we were doing, and he thought, well, I'm going to do that. And he attempted to launch the same thing, a 24-7 music video channel. His was L.A.-based, and his was live. The, so the DJs, and they were radio What, what are the DJs. quotes for? Why is it? Because you never saw them on camera. They would have a shot, like, of the Santa Monica Mountains. But the DJ was live at that moment. That was the difference. MTV went, sent our salespeople. They sent us. They sent everybody they could send out to cable companies, and they let it be known, if you picked up the Ted Turner channel, you would lose MTV. And Mark Goodman would sleep with you if you picked up MTV only. Yeah, something like that. So that was, we literally pulled a full-on, like, mafia tactic. Like, you, you pick up that other channel. You ain't gonna get us. You know what I'm saying? And again, cable operators had the members-only jackets, and they were very scared of big... Look... We were Amazon, basically. We started out of the shoot with the kind of infrastructure that you couldn't then just replicate. Ted Turner had the, the, the reach, perhaps, but they, you know, we just came out with guns a-blazing. We took right. we're over in the, the same, world. We were in, in the same year. game. Everybody had to, to recruit cable ops to yeah. pick up your, yeah. your channel. You had to find room, and we became Amazon very quickly. I mean, within a year, MTV was making waves, and who's going to compete with that? Nobody and that it lasted as long as it did. I mean, you could say that MTV really had no cable channel competition for the entire decade. Uh, they, they, oh, they, they, what was the, the thing that, that um, was it Night Tracks? Night Tracks on WTBS. Oh, Friday Night Videos. Fr Friday Night, Friday Night, Night Videos, Videos on NBC. Yeah. That's right. But that was only an hour. And that was right. fun, and right. I watched it, but yeah. And you got national commercials for Buicks. Right, you, come you, on. You right. couldn't become the landscape to people's everyday lives 24-7 if you weren't in TV. VH1 is what we then brought onto the scene to defeat Ted right. Turner. Oh, you VH1. want to pick up that? Here's this. Yes, exactly. We'll totally. do you a little older demographic for yeah. that, so, you know. The power of Mark, I think, is what really kept it going. The Fair enough. What did you guys think of VH1 when it, when it came out? It, at, the, at that moment, it seemed like what it was. It was just like, oh, shit. Let's, we don't want Ted Turner taking us. Oh, let's throw on something else. we got some video so wallpaper here for you. literally Ken, like Kenny G, 24-7. That was tough. Well, that was the other thing, because MTV had decided to not grow old with their audience. That was a conscious programming decision. So... It was in their mind, oh, well, so let's, like, whatever that next phase of music, you know, would be for, an art, for a, a listener, let's do that. So we have them, once they graduate from MTV, they'll go to VH1. Ultimately, it is certainly, it, it evolved beyond that, but it was just, it was what it was. I and mean, they were literally, they were, there was, they were recording in this closet in the offices of MTV, you know, Don Imus, legendary DJ from New York City, like the, the creator of shock radio, morning radio. He was on Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. She, was, she was a VJ for VH1 in the very, very beginning. I will say we, I paid no attention to it. I mean, our lives were off and running and very busy. And um, I didn't ever watch VH1. Yeah. I didn't know. It was I think it was on my UHF dial, <laughs> I think. We've talked a lot about radio 
this morning because it's obviously what gave launched MTV. It's, it's interesting to me that the very first video, Video Killed the Radio Star, sort of predicts what's going to happen with radio. And then five years later, uh, Queen comes along with Radio Gaga and says, radio has yet to have its finest hour. Do you think that that remains true? Has radio yet seen its finest hour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, well. We'll talk about how funny it is to have a man in the house here on on the ship, who means a lot to us because of that first video, and that's later in the week. Trevor Horn. Uh, Trevor Horn. I did not come like from radio. Yeah. yeah, I did not come from radio, so I don't really know that world to this day. Um, I would say radio definitely did not disappear. We call it terrestrial and satellite now. That Mark and I are, have been on Sirius XM for 15 years. 18. Is a, 18. Wow. It's a funny bookend to my career, maybe to Mark's as well, that we started, I, he started on radio and now is there on satellite radio. So it's the exact same as MTV. It's a new technology called satellite that you talk about infrastructure now. Billions of satellites in the sky. So uh, Sirius is not going anywhere. Uh, terrestrial radio, I think, is trying to find its path. Um, Would you say, f I mean, finest hour, yeah. um, it I feel like it depends on which format you're talking about uh, in terms of what, what a finest hour might be. In terms of sort of popular radio, meaning music radio, I feel like um, the, the 60s and 70s, for radio were, the, for me, they were the prime moments for radio. Radio was, it burst into FM. It started, freeform radio began. The alternative radio began. So that era, a segueing from the late 60s, like from, from KSAN in San Francisco, which was the first freeform radio station playing rock, um, to it spreading across the country, that FM thing, that was a really incredible moment the transition from am top 40 to fm and not playing singles so that was a i think a really important moment for rock radio for popular music radio now it's different i mean we're, we are all in the same boat you know we all have to fight for the for the listener we got to fight with streaming we got to fight with Streaming television, streaming you know radios, uh, we have regular television, regular radio. Uh, I mean, I think, Spotify. You know, yeah. we, we there's so many things that we are yeah. up against. Yeah. Uh, radio, but still, and it was all during the, the time that we were at MTV. Radio was still the number one place that people discovered music. Still, and and it still is today. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's. Yeah, God bless that. Let's clap for that. That's a that's a thing. I, well, I as, think as, long as, you're, as long as it's Sirius XM here, because yeah. terrestrial radio, fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What 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 uh, what lands here on the ship is uh, immediately tweeted out on social media. Good luck, pal, for those kind of statements. I said f you to Adam Curry last year. I'm, I'm at Sirius. What do I care? I got a gig. I, I, I had a contract. There there is no more finest hour for any one particular form of entertainment anymore. It's too it's too uh, bifurcated. It's there's too much competition. And God bless it when people say, "I wish MTV would come back. I wish we could have the the golden era of MTV back again." To Do which you guys I say, say that? I say why. So look, but okay, but let me ask yeah, you this I seriously. Yeah. I, I get that, and we we yeah. all people come up to us all the time, and man, I wish it was back to that, and I wish you guys were on again, and. 
we, I mean, we, we fully understand the idea of, of nostalgia for that moment. It was a greatest, the greatest moment in all of our lives. But really, do you really need a video music channel? Yeah. Why? Market, what? Market, yeah. Listen, I'm, I'll go on. We're, we're, we're happy to host if yeah, one comes yeah, up. Yeah. But you got YouTube. Yeah. You can see whatever you want, whenever you want, as many times as you want. What do you need it for? Go ahead. This is like a church revival now. Mark's right. going, what do you need? What? Why do you need him in your life? Do you need him in your life? Really? Yay, man, we do. Yeah, get the plate. Who's go. passing the plate? Who's passing the plate? I'll tell you, if we could just collection. get the Viacom we executives to be watching dollars. right now. I'll tell you why I don't want to go back to MTV, because they were fucking cheap, i got to tell you. <laughs> Cable television. We started low. Uh, I started making a wage that was, you know, just above my bartender wage and uh, wound up doing all right at the end of it. But we were like the early sports stars, you know? We created this beast. And then those came on our back to bigger stardom, like, you know, Carson Daly and, and, uh, and all those, God bless them. So we didn't really reap the, the financial benefits, but we will forever be the first. So you know there. how the first child breaks in the parents for the ones that come after? It's like that. Again, there's no one kiosk, I think, for any of your entertainment anymore. How, how many of you go on and say, I'm going to watch something on Netflix? No, maybe Amazon. No, wait a minute. Maybe Hulu. No, wait a minute. I never watch anything because I can never settle on anything. <laughs> it, and that is the beauty of I just have of a great night scrolling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's yep, nothing oh, on. Trailer. You know, it's sad when you watch the trailer channel, too. I know. Two minutes and I'm done. Two minutes and I'm done. Nope, yep, nope, yep, nope. I'll have to log that for future viewing. Oh, no, I'll never get around to it. Let's do another trailer. But the, the beauty of MTV was you had to make no decision. You knew what you turned on in the morning. You knew what you turned at two in the, in the morning when you were coming home trying to get that buzz out of your body. What better thing to do than to veg on MTV? You knew where the party was, right? Wasn't a 50 ring circus like it is now. So that's my nostalgia for MTV. Even we used it as a kind of an anchor for our day at times. I'd tune in to see what Mark was up to, so. So let's bring it back, <laughs> please. Come on. They say they don't want it, and yet. I know, and I yet. know, we're lying, we're just lying. So you talk about YouTube, I would have made that same point. Um, let's talk about videos for a second, shall we? Uh, I'm assuming you watched some of the programming, you just admitted you did. What would you say was the most overrated video in the early days. Spill some tea for us, guys. Just in the room. Just in the room. No one will tweet this. Uh, Fish Heads by Barnes & Barnes. <laughs> it's really so I overrated. That, I think that was underrated. I think that oh, was a great yeah, moment. Right. It was underrated. That was right. Yeah. Fish Heads, the best video on the planet. We don't ever get asked this question. No, I don't want the best. I want, so the, I want the most overrated. You, I don't want the best. Yeah, I got you. Overrated. Overrated. Yeah, overrated. I don't know. If it was really terrific... You know, it's hard to compare it as an overrated to anything else. We've got some clunkers, for sure, which we shouldn't mention here. You know, I, I mean, Favorites, I, I, I honestly, I haven't, haven't thought in those yeah. terms, yeah. but if you really want to get catty, catty about it. <laughs> yeah. That's why they're here, yeah, Mark. Yeah, yeah. and here's, wow. the, here's the thing. You're talking, to, you're talking at breakfast <laughs> over a cup of coffee, bitching about a band, and there's the dude right behind you. So watch it. You know? right. We're all on this together. Yeah. Oh, that's set last night. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Oh, oh, hey, how are you? Oh, Would you sign this? Yeah. Oh, there he is. Oh, damn. I mean, I think... I don't know. I, I mean, like, people love the Duran Duran videos. Yeah. But were they overrated? I mean... <laughs> 
Wild Boys. I, uh, I, well, I wild Boys. Wild Boys. Let's dish a little for a moment. I love Duran Duran. I love them more today than I did in the 80s, actually. I think the stuff that they have done since the 80s has been really, really great. This last album they put out where they're collaborating again with Mark Ronson and Giorgio Moroder, yeah. it's amazing, yeah. really great. Future Pass, good. I like Paper Gods, but hey. I, uh, me too. Oh, all you need that was their first collab with Mark Ronson. Yeah. It was yeah. really great. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know, Rio, so big deal. So <laughs> like Simon there on the edge of the bow of the boat. Big fucking deal, you know? <laughs> and the girl with the prayer. <laughs> I don't know. What was yeah. so great about that? Yeah, yeah. You know, I would say, how about videos that were maybe overwrought? Early on, Billy Joel, who I'm a big fan of, he wasn't exactly the poster boys of MTV. To have Billy on was like the old piano guy from the 70s. But Pressure and Allentown were, to me, overdone Broadway productions. But that was year two of MTV. The record executives are going, holy cow, MTV's selling records. So we better start making videos. Billy had some of the most highly price productions, a couple of $250,000 to do those. I think Allentown kind of belies the subject matter of it. You got Broadway boys all greased up, dancing, you know. I love Broadway musicals, but it just was like, no, it's a story about the struggle of the, the industry <laughs> leaving, you know, the middle heartland. Now and the guys are going, Allentown. <laughs> <laughs> right. Billy's, Billy's kind of trying to dance, and he's a little pudgy little guy. I thought... They're working too hard. So there's a ton of videos where we envision the director coming in. Okay, boys, here's how we're going to do it. You know, and you're going to have a gold lame suit on, and you're going to be greased up with oil as if you were a dancer. And it was like, ooh, somebody said no thanks. <laughs> Take, for instance, Billy Squire and Rock Me Tonight. That is the most, herald it's the most heralded, you know, uh, uh, example. You guys don't like that video? I, I, Come on, yes. right? That was all right. Okay. I, didn't, his, I didn't. I think his it. clothing choice I, was a bit off. I can't believe and the choreography questionable. The great Kenny Ortega, who directed Michael Jackson's uh, last documentary, and, and oh, Billy was was notorious for saying, "I should have never listened to that yeah, guy." Yeah, yeah. Literally, he was a cor great choreographer. Not not in that video, yeah. but well, he yeah. was the director of of that Billy Joel video, and Billy let him just run with it. Oh man. Well, if I may just jump ahead real quickly and say when I think the video got its steam back, because year two, three, four, five, then you had Peter Gabriel and, and Sledgehammer and the ones that really kind of redefined it, and Ahad redefined the technology again. So everybody was trying to recreate the video wheel, and that was the cool artistic arc of what MTV brought to the table. Around 83, the artists were like going, this is a new form of expression for us, and maybe we'll take control of our videos. What about... What about Oh, in terms of overrated, what about, go with me on this, say, say, say. Oh, but two of the biggest stars on the planet. And, and his wife and Latoya sister made it in. That was, that was I mean, people were flipping out about that video when it came out. And it was cute. Okay, it was bad. Bad. Your word. That was that the word I was searching for. <laughs> he let you I mean, say it, not yeah. him. Because Paul McCartney is going to see that fan video over there of Mark going, that Paul McCartney video sucked, you know. Mm. Then he's going to get a leg breaker to his apartment in New York. Hey, Paul sent me. 
ever talk bad about him. That was overwrought, syrupy, sappy. Paul did that to us from time to time in his career. He gave us the sugary side. Ebony and Ivory. Come on. Come on. Now that video, that I, don't, I don't even Great remember. Great message. Yeah, I don't. Shit video. Oh, come, come on. Let's on. be honest. I don't remember the video. The, that was not about the video. There were plenty of songs that stood the, on their own. Who cares? We saw them. We didn't care what Who else? it was. Oh, I know one that could never be made today. Scorpions rock you like a hurricane. No. You gonna put women in cages? Oh no! <laughs> what about cherry pie? And a literal cherry pie drops into her lap. Jesus God! Symbolic. With no irony, with nothing. That's what I loved about the glamours of the latter part of the decade. It's like, fuck yeah! Cherry pie in her lap! That's funny! It's calling chicks. Slap them on the ass. Oh, yeah. People will love this shit. My wife is appalled right now. She is appalled. Just saying, I'm expressing what they did, honey, not what I enjoyed. <laughs> well, you're How not going to be enjoying it go, anytime go, soon. Go to... D Go to the very beginning of, the, of, of MTV, and the, the, one of the most salacious videos to this day is Duran Duran's Girls on Film. Now, it's kind of, you know, soft, soft porn uh, by today's standards, but oh my what, God. What we was, aired was. I think yeah. by today's standards, even, it's an even infomercial. Even the one that we aired blew, wow. it blew America's mind. The parents thought this is truly the devil's workshop, this MTV thing. I like watching it late at night every so often. Mark and I literally, though, the story here is that hey man, we... Don't pull me into this. No, no, don't, no. Don't. I caught him in the room just now. Goddamn internet, I can't get girls on film. We, we would watch the videos that were new. They would come in. Hey, the programmers would say, we're going to do the new Duran Duran video, and we'd get a three-quarter inch tape, plug it into the green room video. And Mark and I are in the, in the green room trying to get to, to better graces with one another. We're getting to know each other. Put the video in, girls on film, the R-rated version comes on. And it stopped, I remember, and we both went, I think we need to see that again. And we, we watched it a couple of times, and we thought, God, how are we going to put this on the air? We didn't know they had already edited it, but it was like... Oh, jeez, that's right out of the box. Controversy. It was good. It was good. good. Got my phone right here. This is a YouTube. This is what my kids watch on YouTube. They watch people like old VJs watching <laughs> Duran Duran videos and commenting. They're the comment YouTube channels. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, my God. Is that an ice cube? Is that a thong? Is that a man writhing on a horse? No, it's a woman. Okay. Okay, next. <laughs> Pitting. <laughs> they stayed up all night working on these damn questions. Yeah, and we've given pages you and pages on them. I know, I know. We learned three years they ago. They did not stay up. They, they well, thought these while we were standing backstage. <laughs> Didn't you that see hurts. them? They were like, that hurts. Uh, so three years ago, you joined us on stage when we were doing our 500th podcast, and... We always in the podcast with what we call the podcast time machine question. And we asked you the question back then. Like, usually what we do is we say, you, we've got a time machine. We can give you a seat on it. You can go back to any moment in time to either relive a moment or change a moment. Uh, but you answered that, so we're going to change it. We're going to give you the podcast time machine, but you can only go back to August 1st, 1981. What? You have 24 hours. 
what moment do you want to watch again? What moment do you want to change? Do you want to change the drinks you had that night? Switch the tapes in the cart machine? <laughs> nope, don't want to do that. That would ruin the trivia question. It is in, by the way, Trivial Pursuit. Thank you very much. Um, I would, I would, I'll tell one joke, which is the Vienna sausages that night at the party were excellent. This is how cheap they were. They had no money. The party was like an old folks home party. There's a little catering table of Vienna sausages and some cheese squares and some beers and some cheap wine and we were all over there drinking it. And we had, what we watched the launch on was like when you're in high school and the AV club wheels in yeah, yeah. the TV, you know? Yeah. That's what it and was. It was, I, it was think like, it, I think it was 27 inches wide. It was like wide. a shit little Dude, TV. Oh, it was man. the funniest Big thing. ass like, TV. On one of those carts, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it had the wires out in the back and a little, uh, you oh, know, a little cable box or something. But it was like the tech guy was pushing it out. And, and I'm a starving actor previously, so I'm woofing as many Vienna sausages <laughs> as I can. Never know when I'm fucking going to get another meal here, so I better eat up tonight. Because this thing could tank tomorrow. No assurances this was going to work, so I did not buy a couch like you do when you're an actor. But uh, I don't want to steal Mark's thunder, but th the moment I would relive and do almost daily in thanks to the best job I've ever had in my life was the minute the T-minus five-second countdown started and the rocket blasts off and he says, ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll in the Buggles intro. The video killed the radio star. That tinkly, watery, mysterious kind of sci-fi music begins to happen. I got goosebumps. I cried along with Mark. I should have gotten to know you better at that point. You cry too, man. I love you. But I think that was the most thrilling moment of my life was just after the rocket blasted off. I don't know that if I would... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if... I don't know if I'd change anything. Um, I don't even remember what happened that day. Did we record that day? I, I don't think so. I think it was a Saturday, I think, because it launched on August the 1st. It might have been yeah. Friday. I can't remember. But I think we had a full couple of days prior taping yeah. and retaping yeah. and putting that stuff together, and we had the day to figure out how we were going to get on the yellow bus right. to be driven out to this facility. Literally, they put us on a yellow school bus. <laughs> And shipped us out to Fort Lee. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't on that bus. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Mark was limo dude from the very beginning. Always the limo. No, I had a car. You did. Okay. My wife and I drove out there <laughs> ourselves like human beings. Mar <laughs> Martha like says a grown up. Exactly. Martha says it was a limo every time. I, Martha believes. I know. Yeah. She does say that. She does, because it's funny coming out of Martha's mouth. A little Martha Quinn. It was so not a limo. Okay. I don't know what she's talking about. Yeah. Because he didn't um, have a car big enough for the man's hair. It had to be a limo. <laughs> Keep returning to that tired joke. Did we answer the question about the excitement no. for me? You got to answer. Well, we, we're only allowed to go back to that one day. Yeah. Well, that day. Yeah. That was, was a little constricting. A, that was a, kind of a great day. So nothing to change, nothing to, you know. Well, yeah. I would, yeah. yeah. Well, I would, <laughs> if I went back, that, thank you. Yeah. I would, I would go back to that day, but I wouldn't be in that fucking restaurant in New Jersey. I'd be in yeah. Smithtown, Long Island, yeah. slapping that guy oh, who put in the wrong man. cart. <laughs> you know what's really sad is that Mark hangs on to that for 40 fucking years. I mean, 
that he I would know. go back and change that moment. I'm good, so he'd dude. feel better about I, his I know the truth. Time. I know the truth about things. I know what happened. So bitter all these years. Come for the interviews. You stay just, for the therapy. And by the way, you were not. <laughs> you were not just the second VJ. You were the fifth. Oh, no, Alan, you didn't. Nina, Martha, JJ, and I'm Mark Goodman. Oh, my God, that must hurt. Not and I'm Mark Goodman. That was you. It was me. You'll I, never look at music the same way again. I had the catchphrase. I had the whole intro. You did. You did. And I got to tell you, and, you were good. Okay. So who, who, it was my show. It was my five hours on the air. For the first moments of MTV. Who's the first VJ then? Yeah, no. Okay, fuck you people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> high five, high five, high five. <laughs> I'm the most popular one on this boat, dude. Hell yeah. I give a lot of hugs, Mark. I give a lot of hugs, and I primed them all before this little chit-chat. Go with me, go with me. I got to tell you, I was in total awe of Mark Goodman. There's just no doubt about it. As much as we had sort of a weird circular around each other, I came on board. He was, uh, you know, kind of an idol. JJ, too, was just, I couldn't believe I had joined up with these people. And to have Mark day-to-day kind of show me how it was done, how to speak, you know, naturally and calmly and expertly on television. I took tons of cues from that dude trying to get my act together. Finally, I think, got it together, had my own personality. We melded as brothers for, you know, 40 years now. And it's I mean, it should be said. Thing. I mean, you can probably tell, or maybe people know, but Alan has joked about the fact that we didn't get along in the beginning, and we genuinely did not. Um, it's, it's true. <laughs> Uh, we, but, didn't, but, we didn't fight. We no, just didn't yeah, understand we just didn't, one another. We were I thought you were an arrogant asshole, and you thought I which, was a which nerd. Which I kind of was. I thought I was a nerd. I kind of was. I will admit that. I admit that in the book. Um, but it should be said, we, there was, I've compared the five of us, our experience at, at MTV, to like um, Vietnam vets you know, going through this horrible experience together, and they are bonded forever. And that's the way that I feel about Alan and Martha and Nina and God rest his soul, JJ. We are bonded forever. We are family forever. I mean that. And uh, we are forever in all of you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of wow. the 80s Cruise family. Wow. wow. Amazing. Thank you, guys. Give it up for you. Mark Goodman, Alan Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So there you have it, Steve. Uh, you know, that's another one of those great examples of you ask a question that's somewhere within the area code of an answer they want to give, and they give you seven to eight minutes on that. You know, the fun thing about this is we've interviewed the VJs twice now in front of a live audience. And each time, man, do I get the butterflies in the stomach bad beforehand. Bad. I mean, I was... I remember being backstage before we walked on the stage and just, I couldn't sit still. It's like, I, you know, that little, when you're Yeah, you were hopping from, around like you needed to go pee. Yeah, which I did. Maybe I you did. I don't know. <laughs> I did. I, I can describe the bathroom backstage. It, it's always a thrill because you grow up, you know, looking at these people on TV every single day. Yeah. And now, you know, you're not just seeing them live. You're on stage with them. You are the one asking the questions and... 
Um, you know, you're the one in the hallway when you pass them and they say, hey, Steve, you know, great interview. Tell Brad he sucks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, someone someone's got to someone's got to fill that seat. No, you're you're always so you're always so calm and cool and collected for these. I'm 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 so impressed. Well, I'm I'm glad you think so. I wouldn't describe myself that way. I was like, shit. I'm sitting here trying to ask these guys questions, and I've got an actual journalist on the other side of the stage asking thoughtful questions. Well, I don't I don't know how thoughtful they were, but it's it's still I still get a blast out of doing these interviews. And oh yeah, that's so fun. And, and just, to your point, like, how did this happen? Like, I sent that picture of the four of us on stage effort to like everybody I knew. I'm like, check this shit out. <laughs> it still kills me. I mean, when I talk to Don Barnes from 38 special or, you know, Russell Hitchcock from air supply or, you know, Dennis DeYoung and you're, you know, you're sitting there and you're, especially nowadays with zoom and you're looking each other in the eye and you're having this conversation. I, man, it's just a, it's a, it's a little buzz that never really goes away. And I'm kind of glad about that. You know what gives you a buzz that goes away very quickly, though, Steve? <laughs> I do. The, the Seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. Love these. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Trying to think back to when we started using the gong for Mystery Movie Moment. I mean, it's got to be at least 15, 16 years. At least. Oh, I would think so. Yeah. When did when did you start doing saggies? Like in the Gosh, first wish, thirty wish or so I episodes? I don't know. I wish if someone knows, email us. I mean, we. Gosh, I wish I'd kept better notes over the years. I would have lost I them anyway because when I moved how would you from, know? You know, how do you know what's yeah. important? You, in the early days, you just always assumed every episode was possibly the last episode. Good work, Wesley. Sleep well. <laughs> I'll likely kill you in the morning. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we'll play a snippet of a movie from the 80s. I don't know why that sounds weird coming out of my mouth today, but it just does. We will play a snippet of a movie from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for the postal-friendly bottle opener. Mm. Still not sure that I actually have one here. (sighs) (laughs) If you're trying to wind me up, it's working. (laughs) I can't remember the last time I opened a beer bottle, period, so... Uh, anyway, from episode 677, here it is. Come on in. All painless is waiting. That's Predator. Wow. Mm. Gosh. I can't believe we haven't done an episode on this movie. Have we not? No. Gosh, I can't remember the last time I saw this movie. It's Probably, been a long time. Oh, yeah. I don't know that I've seen it since the 80s. Wow. I loved it when it came out. I, I saw it in the theaters. I thought it was fantastic. And you know what's funny? I was looking it up today because I just thought, this has got to be one of those movies that gets so highly rated from our decade. It's not. The critics hated it. Really? It, they they called it uh, grisly and dull and, uh, you know, dying under the weight of its lame special effects I mean stuff it's like tro- that. it's troped to within an inch of its life but that's kind of what gives it life well that's what made it an 80s movie yeah. I mean it's it's bigger than itself now I, I now did I go and see all the the rest of the franchise I did not but man you just I, I'm not a, I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of the original and it I don't know that there's a movie that's more quotable it's in the action genre anyway I mean you've got a bunch of of quote spitting machines in that cast. Yes. 
But uh, I was surprised. I thought we'd have more more winners. We we have a handful. We do indeed. Would you like me to read those winners? Please do. Here we go. Winners this week include John Ross from Charlotte, North Carolina, Stroobs in Rutherford, Dr. Jean-Marc Beauvais, Lee from hashtag SF Bay Area 80s Cruisers, Mike and Oz, and Cliff from somewhere north of Detroit. By the way, special shout out to, to Lee from uh, the uh, Bay Area Cruisers group. He wrote the second Dream Set List um, article on the SIT 80s site. He did it for Pat Benatar. It's a really, really good piece. Hmm. I don't so, know what you could write. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> really well thought out. And we have another one coming up next on uh, from Oingo Boingo. So we'll see oh, how yeah, that goes. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I need to read through it's it. It's good. It's good. Um, I had some editorializing yeah, to, uh, so. to reply to him on. <laughs> well, now, I mean, it's, it's October. It's Oingo Boingo month. Yeah, it is Oingo Boingo season. You're right. Now I have to think what set list I'll turn up for you. Fine See, listeners. my problem with Oingo Boingo would be I wouldn't pick anything after the Boingo album, which was, what, 87, 88? Um, I, would go, I would go to Cinderella Undercover, that's which a, I think that's a, was – that's off of 88, Boingo Alive, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay, well, that's – I mean, that's that's a different kind of album, but yes. Yeah. Anyway, we'll debate that again. We're, we're putting more and more content these days, by the way, on sit80s.com. So be sure to check it out. We're going we're gonna to pump some life into that puppy. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery movie moment. Shove it. Don't do that, kid. I call the shots. I do what I want to do. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. Did I do it right? Mm, beautiful. Okay, just want to make sure. <laughs> Tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. Ah, the mystical refrain that is, name that 80s tune. You know the drill here. <laughs> OG Seggy. <laughs> it is. This is the first one. And it must have been done when we still had our original producer, the maestro, Dave Morrison. This might have been his idea. I know he used to play the clips for us live. Oh yeah, on the show, and he picked them. So, oh nice, I love it. Just so people know now, <laughs> I have no idea what this week's will be because either Brad or I will pick it. You know, much much later on. <laughs> so, any clues we're giving you are complete BS. Yeah, as far as you know, unless <laughs> they aren't. Oh, hmm. Anyway, we play a snippet of a tune from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for the postal-friendly bottle opener and possibly other stuff. But uh, from episode 677, here was your clue. That's All for Lena by Billy Joel. Kind of on a Billy Joel kick lately, and especially Glass Houses. Yeah, inspired by your recent uh, concert experience, which I yes. believe was transcendent. Is that too strong a word? 
I don't I don't manage the Stuck in the 80s Instagram account that we have a marketing pro who does that for us. And um, I know she posted a clip of me looking like I was crying during the Billy Joel concert. I assure you I was not crying during that particular song. <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't cry at other songs. Well, look, listeners, let me let you in on something here. So I text Steve like, and how was the show? And I expect a very lukewarm response because Steve is a tough customer. Steve is hard to please sometimes. And when he came back with a text, like, it was amazing. I was like, holy crap. Now I feel bad I wasn't there. Like, I'm just so happy you had a great experience at Billy Joel. I bought a concert shirt and everything. And it says MSG with the uh, subway, you know, signs, the little circular mm-hmm. green, green and red or whatever color they are. Love it. Um, and I wear it constantly. I, I can't remember the last time I bought a concert shirt and actually wore it constantly afterwards. So, yeah, that's good stuff. Oh, I know. Like strut around the neighborhood, walking the dog with my Billy Joel concert <laughs> shirt. Hey, have you heard of Billy Joel? He's an up and comer. <laughs> yeah. He's got this new album out, Cold Spring Harbor. It's really something else. Cold Harbor Spring, Cold Spring Harbor. Like, anyway, we had some winners. Here we go. Apparently, I'm not the only one who likes glass houses. We have some people who are have an affinity and appreciation for some of the deeper tracks, as it were. Winners this week include Lido in Austin, Mr. Whiskey, Brent the Chem Teacher, Keanu from Midmo, Blue Fest from San Diego, Lou, Sweet Lou, Greeley, Kevin Serving Wench, Jeff Wyan, Eden Prairie, Minnesota, Vertigo Roger, Dave, Dave's Not Here, Mike and Oz, Russian New York, City, Lynn with three ends in Nebraska, Cliff from somewhere north of Detroit, and Sienna Strubes, who writes, Hi, my name is Sienna. I'm 11 years old and live in New Jersey. I sometimes get to hear your podcast when my dad and I are driving in his car. My dad loves the 80s, so I listen to a lot of that music. One of my favorite artists is... Any guesses? Billy Joel. So you can imagine how excited I was to hear this week's music quiz. I made my dad promise I could write in to you. This week's music segi is All for Lena by Billy Joel. I can't wait to hear my name read with the winners. Signed, Sienna Stroops. Wow. Hey, that's good stuff. I don't know that we've had any winners that young on the show before. I don't think so. I got to admit, if, if if Billy Joel in concert didn't make me cry, then then getting that letter from an 11-year-old fan surely did. That's so. good stuff. You and you keep listening to the 80s music with your dad. I know he appreciates it, and it sounds like you appreciate it too. Stroobes is great. Yeah, he and I have been in touch, and uh, Sienna Stroobes now has a Stuck in the 80s shirt from me. So oh, how's that? Remarkable. <laughs> oh man keep listening to billy joel sneak some devo into the playlist <laughs> no stick with billy joel devo maybe save oingo boingo for much later when you're more jaded anyway it's time to spin the wheel if santa were here i'd offer it to her but uh brad you want to give it a spin yeah here we go one two uh-huh. Looks like it's going to land on <laughs> Stroobs in Rutherford. Okay. I mean, what are the odds? I guess you get two names on the wheel. It, it weights it a little bit. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it does. Wow. Okay. Well, I think I already have your address, Stroobs, so no problem. Look for some uh, some more swag soon. Yeah, I'm going to send some to Steve, and he can mail it to you because he'll have plenty. <laughs> yeah. The garage where we have all my stuff after moving i guess it's been 10 months now since we moved but it's still not we're still not done unpacking so i 
I've got bags of swag out there. I just haven't gotten to them yet. Yeah, newsflash, you're never done unpacking. Yeah, that's true. Uh, in the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery tune. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. Tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. And we'll be right back after this commercial break. Audio Entertainment presents Warren. Yeah, we like to rock and roll. We like to do a lot of other things, too. Call the Warren Rock Line. We'll give you the warm, hard facts on our personal lives. Our fans always come first. Just $2 the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Kids ask your parents permission. You'll get the latest on tours, videos, and what town we blew up last. Call and hear a new message every day and learn how you can leave your personal message for Warren. Or anything else you've got on your mind. Call us and find out what goes on behind. We're back. We've got a few minutes left. I thought, hey, let's play an old game called What's Your 80s Obsession? Brad, what's your 80s obsession? My 80s obsession, Steve, is, and actually it spans multiple decades, but it is music produced by Trevor Horn. I've been listening to this playlist of, gosh, it's just, it's incredible how much stuff he did on Spotify that's all songs he produced and that the breadth of stuff is crazy like okay yeah we know about yes we know at ABC we know about the buggles I didn't know, realize he produced Frankie Goes to Hollywood I didn't realize he produced as much Pet Shop Boys as he has just there's a ton of stuff in this playlist it's amazing I knew Frankie Goes to Hollywood I did not know Pet Shop Boys he's a lot of art of noise um, that I knew a lot of bands I've never heard of Huh. Some Simple Mind songs that I really like. Wow. Uh, Grace Jones solo stuff. He's got some Paul McCartney stuff. A lot of Seal. Some Mark <laughs> Almond solo stuff. Jeez. Like It's crazy. It was like Rod Stewart, Cher, Tina Turner. Like It's crazy. There's just yeah. a ton of stuff. And it's a fun playlist. How about you, Steve? I got a couple of obsessions. One, I'm rediscovering the TV show Freaks and Geeks. It's oh. on Hulu right now. Nice. And because we're interviewing the one of the writers from the TV show, Patty Lynn, wrote a book about her career as a TV writer in Hollywood. And we're interviewing her tomorrow. Me and Gail in D.C. Oh, nice. Are interviewing her tomorrow. So I'm in the book. She talks about which specific episodes she really wrote start to finish. So I'm mm-hmm. rewatching those tonight, actually. Um, okay. One of them is nice. Girlfriends and Boyfriends and one is The Garage Door. So I'm, I'm watching those in preparation. And the other thing is, and I'm, I've got it in my hand right now, although you can't see it because this is not a video podcast. When I was talking about cleaning out the garage, I did come across one box of stuff that I've I've had like with with me for 18 years as we've been doing this show. And it was full of a bunch of CDs and, D- and DVDs that people have sent me or burned or, you know, and stuff. Sure. So I've got like the best of Billy Squire or, you know, Raised on Radio by Journey. Someone sent me. But um, Dave Featherston of, of Australia had made for me an Australia in the 80s CD. And for, for the longest time, I had, like, the disc for it and then the cover for it, like, separate. So I, I always I, – I would listen to it nonstop because it's a great CD, but I, I would never know what band I was listening to. Yeah. And so literally right now, I just found – the CD cover and it's fantastic. And so I created a list, a playlist for it. It's on Spotify. I'll share it with the show notes, but it ha- it'll have all the songs except for one, which I couldn't find 
from uh, the Australia in the 80s. But it's got uh, Ganga Jang, Hunters and Collectors, Ice House, mm. uh, Boom Crash Opera, The Church, Cold Chisel. Uh, Boom Crash Sunny... Opera. I can't, yeah. I can't remember the last time I heard that band name. <laughs> Sunny Boys, Pseudo Echo. So it's it's a really good CD, and I know he sent it to me with the with the idea that we would do a Australia in the '80s episode. I guess we're running out of excuses not to do that. Is what I'm trying to say. Well, you know, so. Dave, all you got to do is fly us down, and we'll see if we can remember <laughs> to pack our mics. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I could sit on a plane for that long, but uh, I know that we tried to do a podcast with with Dave once before, but it was a nightmare considering. We were in three different time zones. We did a couple of seggy recordings, I think. Didn't we do one? We tried to do another show, and it just it's it's the middle of night of the night for somebody. It just is unavoidable. Yeah. It was it was Crocodile Dundee that we tried to do. Oh, we couldn't that's pull it right. Off, and it was just the audio was a mess because. Hey guys, did you know that that's uh, some of that shot in Australia? There we go. <laughs> there we covered it. Yeah, but no, I, I do want to cover some of this music. And maybe uh, reinstitute that uh, Oz in the '80s seggy. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this little time machine uh, back to 2022 and our interview with Mark and Alan. Like I said, it's surreal every time you get to to ask a question and have an exchange with them. Much more fun coming soon. My mind is stuck on Oz in the '80s, but in the meantime, Brad and I remain here, hopelessly stuck in the '80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.